Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I'm your host, Monica Cox, along with Sarah Clark, and we're here to support, inspire, and educate those who are all consumed with the label of infertility. We totally know how you're feeling. Both Sarah and I were diagnosed with a form of infertility before we hit our 30s. We let the fertility experts dictate our past and ignored what our bodies were trying to tell us for far too long. So here we are, helping you take control of your infertile diagnosis. So the first two episodes, we kind of took you back to, um, well, the first one we talked about a little bit about us. And the second one was all about our childhood and our early 20s and really kind of gearing up to when we really started trying to conceive and started hyper-focusing on it, really. Um, so how long did you try before you went and started um, investigating things? I didn't really try because I because I has because the periods are basically only a couple times a year, so I knew there was an issue. So before, um, I just went straight to the like I wanted to see what was happening. So I got tested, and that's when I got the diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. And um, and yeah, I went straight to the fertility clinic and was went on the list for the donor egg. So I um, then I had my had my daughter when I was thirty one. So. And it was, and in between there, I did ask a couple friends actually if they wanted to be donors um, for me, and um, it wasn't right for them. And I and I asked my husband, I'm like, how did I feel about that? He's like, you were pissed. <laughs> I'm like, because I can hardly remember it, because I'm like, they're still friends with, I'm still friends with them now, and I, and it's like a per such a personal choice to to like I'm asking someone for for their eggs, and I'm and so I ended up going with an anonymous donor, and, and so I you know, for me that, you know, obviously I felt that was a better choice. Um, but at the time when I was, I felt so my, like backed up against the wall going, cause all my, at that time at 28, all my friends were having babies. I have one friend who has five kids and at that point. She, she, I think she'd had three already. So like kids were everywhere. And so it was, um, yeah, I've, I've definitely felt on the, the baby train and really, and now you look back and like 28 is so young, but, um, as we, as, as the podcast is called hindsight's a bitch, but, but yeah, it's sort of, to, so yeah, I was 28 and then it, I've, I've, you know, had both, both of them with, with donor eggs and really it was, um, so it was relatively know, I, quick for you in a sense, because you didn't yeah. really mess around with, um, putting your legs up in the air and, no. You know, I didn't do any of that. I actually oil felt, packs and temperature no, and <laughs> did none of it. I actually felt bad for people that were going through that journey. I thought I had it easier. Yeah, I thought I had it easier doing the donor egg route, saying this is what I have to do and this is where we're going. We're going to the fertility clinic. We we're lucky enough to have the money. The so finances weren't an issue, and we just did it. And I I felt that I had it easier. But I think you know I think people would recognize that probably donor eggs is usually the last resort. And um, I just had a like my view on it was, um, I had a very po- I I was very, I had a very positive view on the whole thing. Um, obviously, there was like there was frustration in there. Like there is like pieces of frustration where I remember like um, saying to my husband, "If this didn't work, 
then we were gonna, I was gonna say, fuck it, we we're gonna take a trip around the world. And, you mm-hmm. know, I always had like these different plans. If that didn't work, we we're gonna do this and that. Um, Cause obviously I, I, I really wanted it to work. Like, it, and I protect, I was kind of guarding myself. So not right being fully vulnerable and saying if it didn't work, how I would actually feel. Um, yeah. And I obviously coach people now to be able to visualize it working. So I had strong visualization. I always, I, I am, that's just how I am naturally. I see something, I always see something working out. I just always see it working in my way, my favor. And I don't know, normally it does. It doesn't, doesn't normally, it won't necessarily work out how I think it's going to work out. Yeah. But eventually it works out. Yeah, exactly. And um, this is why we named the podcast The Infertile Diagnosis, because both of us really just got the diagnosis and we just zoned in on that, right? You went that path. And um, I mean, for me, I had unexplained, so I didn't really have anywhere to zone in. So I was the one doing anything and everything Google said to do to help you get pregnant. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's super frustrating because from you know a lot of us listening to this or a lot of you listening to this um you've done it as well and it's not working and in reality it would have never worked all that stuff that is the quick and easy fix to get pregnant for most people dealing with um a very deep issue of infertility it won't it won't work and you know that's the sad part of thing is getting that message out to people that there's going to be a lot more things you need to do and it's going to be a lot more mentally and physically challenging than putting your legs up in the air or taking your temperature every morning. (laughs) Um, And, you know, hopefully, you know, people will um, be inspired to get off of their, you know, hangups of their infertile diagnosis and really start exploring other avenues that we now know work um, and use but um, we were both super quick to listen to the doctors. And yeah, just- I literally, yeah, my, the OBGYN said, this is what you're going to do. And I never even thought those other health issues I had with the chronic sinusitis, well, not the chronic sinusitis, that was years later, but I had the bladder, the, um, the yeast infections, the acne, the fungal rash, um, dandruff, like well, why were those happening? And I, had, I was so disconnected mm-hmm. and then she, this is where you need to go. And I went, okay. Yeah. I didn't even no second opinion, no no looking into anything else. Okay. Let's yeah. get it done. I'm yeah, exactly. And funny because we were sent to do IVF, so we did it. And um I knew in my heart that we it wasn't gonna be our answer. You know, a lot of people go into IVF thinking, okay, I'm gonna get an answer out of this and hopefully a baby. But I was hoping that there was going to be some kind of explanation for our unexplained infertility, which in a way there was. Um, It still wasn't the root cause, but it it helped us get there. But when it failed, um, when we went back for our WTF appointment, which Mm -hmm. at that time it wasn't called that, I don't think that was invented yet, but um, Mm -hmm. they said they were going to do nothing to change the situation. So a lot of people go into IVF and when it failed, they get a different regime of drugs you know, okay, let's change up this. Let's see, add this, add that. They said, no, there's nothing, nothing we can do. We can try it again. And there's nothing you can do to improve your situation. And I'm really glad that they did that because if they would have said, okay, we'll change up your drugs. We would have said, all right, yeah, cool. Let's try that. Let's just change up our drugs. That, that might work. 
we both walked out and we were like, that's not good enough. Nothing. I mean, I'm glad that we were, we were pretty stupid and naive during that time, but I'm glad we were smart enough to go, that's not good enough, you know, of, of, of a, any kind of explanation or to help us achieve our goals to do absolutely nothing. But um, yeah, so I'm really grateful that they had no real good answer because it sent us, that's when we started to be a little, a little bit less, less naive. I wouldn't say a lot because I still was in the headlines um, and listened to a lot of bad advice. And that's once again, why our journey took so long to get where, you know, our final destination. But why do we listen? Why do you, why do you think we do that? Because we're trained in society, the person in the white coat, they know better. They know our bodies better than we do. Mm-hmm. That's why I like that that round table approach by, by by Dr. Oz, where you have where you're in the center of the of the, the healing round table and you have your RE, your OBGYN, your 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 coach, your your functional nutritionist, your masseuse, your chiro, your acupuncturist, not all at once are you using these practitioners, but they're there, but you're in the middle and you know your body best. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times we go whoop straight over to the RE. We get the diagnosis from the OBGYN, or we're, or maybe we're getting it from, from the RE. And we go, we go straight there. And we, first of all, we didn't even listen to our own body. And then we didn't even think that there were other things that could be impacting all the stressors in our body. So if there's environmental, you know, environmental toxic, like the, the toxic load, the food sensitivity, the gut infection, the, the mental emotional stress, maybe there's a pinched nerve. So we, we, we just listened to the, to the, to the doctor. And I think now in the, the, in the age of Dr. Google, we, we, as people, and this is, you know, for me, 17 years ago, that wasn't the case. I was going to the library, um, you know, <laughs> this is back in the, you know uh, but, and now we can Google it. So I think we're, we're more, we're, you know, we're, we're, ed- we're more educated as to more educated. Yeah. That, that's grammatically correct. We're, we're educated as to um, our, our, our health a little more. We can be our own advocate, which I think is really important. And, mm-hmm. and to use your doctor, as like knowing they're a professional smart person but they don't know everything and to be able to have them part of your team and to have that team approach to healing yeah exactly and it's so key um to have those people around you and supporting you and asking questions that you might not ask towards the other person, you know, and it goes both ways, you know, like I don't want people to think that we're anti-doctors. That's not the case whatsoever, but we don't, we also don't want you to just listen to your acupuncturist and take everything that they say that is gold as well, you know, because at the end of the day, there's so many good and bad advice out there. You know, there's great advice from doctors, there's bad advice from doctors and it goes both ways of, you know, really sitting down, taking in what people are saying to you and applying it to yourself. So, yeah, Um, you kind of answered where I wanted to go next. Um, When we were trying to conceive, there wasn't really that much support out there. I mean, could you name one infertility book during your journey? Yeah, no, there, there, there wasn't any. And now, yeah, you look, you go on Amazon and you'll find my book there as well. But yeah, it's <laughs> infertility. There's all kinds of books. And really, um, 
I just remember for there was these little forums and for premature ovarian failure, I'd go on and I was, they were all talking about all the different things that could happen with POF. And I was in these, these little chat forums. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the only people that I could connect with. And so I did spend a little bit of time in there. Um, and then I spent a lot of, I did spend some time obviously, cause I thought I had to potentially go and adopt as well. So I remember like researching adoption and looking at, um, like little orphanages and stuff online. And I went down a complete rabbit hole of, um, thinking if the donor egg didn't work then you know, cause I went to a number of different clinics in there too, to when I was trying to pick it, but pick which clinic. Um, and, and some of them were a lot more money, but I did find one that was, a little more financially feasible, but um, yeah, for me, there, there really, there was the, the forum and there was at the clinic, they, I don't even, I don't even think I got any counseling at the clinic for the donor. Yeah. I don't remember, there might've been, I remember having a sitting, sitting down with a nurse and um, we had to sign some, some documentation, but there was no, like, do you know kind of what you're doing here with um, donor eggs? Um, and we have both, we have both the um, kids, um, profiles. We have the, 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 the history going back to the paternal and maternal grandparents just on a piece of paper, like, because it came in the mail. Um, so we keep that in the safe, but, um, yeah, there, there really wasn't a lot of support at all. Yeah. I totally know what you're talking about the forums and I suppose, I mean, I think they're still used now, but probably Instagram and Facebook groups have taken over them, but yeah, that's where I went to, to kind of get, any knowledge and unfortunately it was good and bad you know because people were obviously giving their best tips and tricks of what happened or how they got pregnant or whatnot but then it sent you down this massive rabbit hole of trying anything and everything and um obviously for me I did a lot of crazy uh, shit and I'm surprised I, I probably did mess myself up even more of how much like supplements and vitamins that I took that like had no benefit, like no benefit whatsoever for what was going on and what I needed. Um, and I think it's um, now we're presented, even though we have such amazing, great information out there, some really great books, some great podcasts, it's still this very overwhelming. Now it's almost on the opposite. It's overwhelming information. Too much. It's too much. And you can go down the same rabbit hole of trying all these different ways that people are suggesting rightly. So wrongly. So I'm not, that's not the debate, but um, once again, you get frustrated because you keep trying these things and they're not working and they're not working and you're not focusing in on what you need because you don't know what you need. You're not looking into other areas of your body that need the support and that will trickle down to maybe your ovaries, your eggs, your uterus. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a funny old thing now. I feel it's a, yeah, I feel it's a good thing because for me, I, I saw the light. I saw that diet was a very important thing to your overall health and therefore your fertility health. Um, and I had to work really hard and I, I listened to, I don't know, hundreds, if not thousands of different podcasts on just health and wellness, because at my time there was no fertility. Um, you know, not even someone just having a good old chat about 
trying to conceive. <laughs> so a little note to your pre-trying to conceive self. Um, there's an amazing, good, bad knowledge out there. Now you, you know what you know. What would you like to say to that, that woman sitting in the clinic about to get handed the little donor egg form? Yeah, to say, listen to those other little things going on in your body. Like your your body is, this is from, I think it's, this is Dr. Mark uh, Hyman. So your body will whisper to you when you ignore the signals, it'll start shouting in the form of disease. So listen to those little signals and then, and dig further, dig further into your, your health and, and just figure out, you know, what's going on that it's connected. And, um, and I'm a researcher too. Like I love researching. That's my thing. And I really, I, I took the person in the white coat and I, and I believed everything they said. Now it, it worked out for me. I had both my children, so I'm really one of the fortunate ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, when you talk about being naive, like, yeah, I was so naive in that process. I had no, I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, they told me to come in and here I, here I go. And, um, but you know, my health took a complete nosedive, um, yeah. you know, late, later on in my thirties. So it was really, to, to me, it would be to go back to that person and say, wait a minute, you know, what are you doing? Like kind of educate yourself a little more and, and you know, you're in charge of your health. And so these assemble the team and they're, yeah. and they're there to help you and each person use them wisely. As, yeah. Wisely. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I would go back and say, just do not get hung up on your diagnosis, you know? your diagnosis isn't the be all and end all to your future. And um, yeah, just linking things. I wish I would have linked all my niggly, piggly, you know, not very big health issues just added up. And, um, you know, I see a lot within the community of people having thyroid issues. Mm. And um, I even did you know, I might lose followers, but whatever. This is just the truth. Um, you know, I started posting a lot of great information about thyroid, linking back to um, great podcasts with um, great information. Some some of it was maybe a little bit over the head. You know, they got really nitty gritty with um, all the terms and stuff. So linked it up. People are like, yeah, like, yo, yeah, I have thyroid issues. I mean, a big population of my followers and then I asked the next day, who listened to the podcast? Not one person. And, you know, I wasn't surprised by that. But, um, you know, once it just, again, highlights that the information that we have out there, that people are not making those connections. You know, they're, whoever they're listening to, whether it's their doctor, acupuncturist, themselves, they're not linking them. And it's very black and white now. There's no gray area when we were going through infertility, if this was connected, no one was talking about it. Where there is enough people talking about it now, there, there's not really any excuse when you hear or you see someone, look, here's a great resource, here's a connection, go check it out. And you don't do that. You're, d- you're just doing it to service to yourself and your health. Because I think it's very focused on the conventional side of conventional medicine and mm-hmm. functional medicine is like looking at the root cause, looking at all the systems of the body. And if your thyroid is, there's thyroid dysfunction, 
that can impact your fertility. We've had people come in with unexplained infertility and they have Hashimoto's. So it's, it's, it's connected and really like digging deeper and really, yeah, I know, I think in some of that, that piece where, um, and, and that's why it is important to have someone to guide you through this, to have a coach to, to guide you through this. And I've heard podcasts before people are like, oh, hire a coach. And I'm like, oh, it just sounds like they're trying to promote their services. But it is to have someone who's like a little further down the road than you, then can just call you out on your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you can get there faster. Because right. it's like, like, we've been doing this for years. We have, you know, and I think the best coaches are the ones that have you know, walk the talk and made the changes themselves instead of, you know, some people sitting there and saying, giving advice and they're smoking or eating a cheeseburger. Like what, what the hell is that? Like we have gone through a restrictive diet. We have worked on our bullshit mind, you know, our mindset. We have Mm -hmm. done, done the hard work and really um, it helps you then to be able to, to fast track this thing. And we can, you know, we have a, we can look at your health history and pick out things where we're like, Oh wait, did anyone look at this? This has been missed. Massively. Yeah. I mean, I did a lot on my own. And when I finally hooked up with a functional medicine practitioner, um, we got a lot quicker, a lot faster. Um, and but on the other side of that, I have to admit that my functional medicine practitioner missed a lot of big keys. And it wasn't until I had um immune testing done is when I realized that I had the high NK cells and I told him and he's like, Oh, okay, maybe you should go AIP. (laughs) So yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I, I love my functional medicine practitioner. I think he's an awesome guy. Um, but yeah, having someone who is a specialist in fertility and knows the ins and outs of it is probably key. I would definitely, if you are ever looking for a coach, I would find someone who that's their specialty because sometimes, well, as you and I know, it's huge. The realm of the body is so huge and the science is progressing weekly of what we know and changing. And I look back at myself and I remember my knowledge at the beginning. I now think a completely different way. I mean, it's linked. It's all in the same line, but I don't agree with the person I was five years ago. You know, so, um, yeah, super key to, um, uh, that was a little tangent that we've gone off, (laughs) but yeah, I have, I, I truly hope once again, the infertile diagnosis podcast is all about really inspiring you to become your own hero. You know, you know, your body, you should know your body the best out of everyone in the whole entire world. And then getting those people to support you with the other things is yeah like you said it's just gonna fast track you you know it does not have to be a very long journey but unfortunately i think a lot of people who are listening or maybe come to this way of thinking like i know i did it's your gears into your journey because you either don't know or you're not making the links um or you're desperate to try anything <laughs> a lot of it is 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 desperation too i speak to women every day where they're 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 backed up they're backed up against the the wall with their biological clock and it, it actually even doesn't even matter how old they are 28 38 like if you're past the point that you want to have your family and you want to have your family at 28 and it's not working you were equally as as desperate as someone at 38 yeah so it's really um yeah that that kind of piece and and 
if you're hearing to me though, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're, you're hearing these words, it's like planting a seed and kind of like, wait a minute, let's dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, I know I didn't believe in diet and nutrition when I started it. I just, I was desperate. I, yeah, I was three, probably three and a half years into my journey. I tried every trick in the book and, um, and you know what? I even tried even some really horrible tricks after I started my diet and lifestyle changes because my diet and lifestyle changes still weren't working. Um, so, but that is for another episode of why diet and lifestyle may not be working for you. <laughs> yeah, the individual approach. I know. And for me, like my, my mom, my mom doing, you know, eating vegan and I was like making fun of her embarrassed. I'm like, what are you doing? And I don't necessarily agree with the you know, potential with the, the whole vegan lifestyle, but having more plant-based foods is always a good idea. And, um, and really knowing the power of, of food, of, of what you're placing on your fork every day. Yeah, it matters. Like why would, and in functional medicine, it's number one, like the first thing we look at and in conventional medicine, oh no, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. just you know, limit your caffeine, don't smoke, uh, eat some green leafies. No. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I tend to stay away from making such strong statements like that, that food matters for, I don't know, I guess fear of rejection or people just like, oh, I don't want to follow her because she's, you know, such a nutter with that. But the truth of the matter is it does. It absolutely matters. Now, is it the be all and end all of getting pregnant? No, you see people who do crack get pregnant. So yes, you can get pregnant on eating McDonald's. Maybe not you. I knew I couldn't, <laughs> you know, that way of eating affected my fertility health and, you know, comes once again down to genetics and what those things do towards you. But, um, and this is once again for another episode, but what you eat before you get pregnant and especially what you eat during your pregnancy is having a huge impact on your future child. And, um, that's when, when I learned that, which was probably after my second IVF, um, I think even after my miscarriage of my first frozen embryo transfer, I started learning about epigenetics and I changed my focus. It wasn't about getting pregnant anymore. It was about switching off all the shitty genes that I got turned on, whether it was in my mom's womb or I did it to myself um, and giving my children the best opportunity um, and that, if that's any kind of motivation for anyone, you know, if you're struggling doing it for yourself, <laughs> you know, get that into your head and that will help you get through those really tough moments of making the changes and, um, sticking with them. So, yeah, I think that is us for today. Thank you very much again, Sarah, for joining me on the infertile diagnosis. And we will see you next week where we talk about what are we going to talk about next week? Hyper focusing on infertility and our diagnosis. A few more things before you go. If you like what we're doing, please leave a review and or a rating. We would greatly appreciate it and it would totally help us out. Also, if you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find me, Monica, over at mymindfulme.com and you can connect with Sarah over on fabfertile.com. 
All the links you need to find us on our websites or social media, any products we talk about, book, special offers, or any guests that we have on, you're going to find all that information in the show notes. So that's it. Thank you once again for being with us here on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.